In the last episode of HPH, we began to look at a Roman man who has become one of the greatest figures in human history. We told you about his early years, his womanizing, his death defiance, and his meteoric rise to political power. Now, all of that is well and good, but if this dude has been praised for anything, and he's been praised for a lot, it is his ability as a military leader. So in this episode, we're taking a look at his military successes against enemies both foreign and domestic. Then we'll take you through his short career as the dictator of Rome and the violent end of his reign. So, grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of Hunter Proof History, titled Julius Caesar Part 2, I Came, I Saw, I Conquered. Oh, and I Got Fucking Murdered. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Ooh, been a while since I've done a podcast episode. Sorry, it just fell off there at the end. (laughs) No, it sounded good. I think you nailed it. uh, Yeah. Hi, everyone. It has been a while since I made your acquaintance, since I sniffed your hair, mm-hmm. sniffed that pair of panties of yours that I keep in a Ziploc bag to <laughs> keep them mm, fresh. Mm. Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> also, hi to our female listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, everyone. Uh, as always, I am uh, your main host, Greg, and I am joined by, take it away, Chris. Your sexiest of co-hosts, Christopher. Keep going, Chris. And I am already kind of drunk, so we're going to have some fun tonight, ladies. Oh, God. Mm. Can't wait to edit this one. <laughs> Said Wolf Dick, our steam producer. Yes, yes, of course. I'm translating for him. He can't talk, after all. Speaks in clicks. And angry eye motions. Yeah, well, you know, it's all he's got, okay? Yeah, he's doing the best he can with what he's got. Well, we're doing part two. Uh, Part two, I I forgot what we're doing, Chris. Will you remind everyone? We're talking about Julius Caesar. And of course, just like last week, our source is Caesar, Life of a Colossus by Adrian Goldsworthy. Um, It's a book. How about that? I, you know... Did what I could to get through it. It's it tells the raving story. review. It it tells the story. Okay, I feel like we tell it in a much more entertaining way. We're gonna keep you riveted through this, but there's a lot of parts that's like, oh god, can we just skip to the next part? Can we just move past it? You know, there this switch to every other week has given me the opportunity to read books that aren't history books that keep you riveted, keep you turning the pages. Like, oh man, I finished like a four hundred page book in two days. It was great. Mm. And it really makes you appreciate the few history books we have read that have been like that. This is not one of those books. I mean, is it? It's okay. But we're doing the last half of this book. Yes. And so finally, we get to the part where Caesar has a son. Yes. We get to our sponsor, mm-hmm. Little Caesars. <laughs> pizza, pizza. I can't oh, fucking wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, Little Caesar. Obviously, I did not read the book. If I am to believe that there is a little Caesar. 
I think you might be right. These people might need to stick around to the end. They'll figure it out. But I, I think you okay. might be right, Greg. I, we'll see, right? Well, enough foreplay. Let's get into it. Let's dive right in, baby. Let me put these man panties back in the bag. I don't want them to lose the scent. Okay, and go. Well, when we left you, it was 59 BCE, and Gaius Julius Caesar was a consul, which was the top and most powerful level of the Roman Senate. That's right, Greg. Back then, the tops were the powerful ones. How times have changed, right? There were no power bottles. <laughs> nope, not back then. He had formed a triumvirate, which is a fancy word for a three-way bromance, with a rich and powerful senator named Marcus Licinius Crassus and a glory-seeking general named Gnaeus Pompeius Magnus, who went by Pompey for short. And just so you guys know, bromance is probably the wrong term to use there because Crassus and Pompey kind of hated the shit out of each other. Uh, but together, the three men were able to get laws passed that gave land to war vets and improved tax collection. It's crazy, like, that a government can provide for people and also tax rich people. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make fucking sense. Get the fuck out of here, you communists. Yeah. Support the troops and tax rich people? No. No, it's either or. Like, come on. <laughs> Well, in those days, consuls only served for a year, and there was a 10-year gap between the end of their term and when they could run again. During his single year, Caesar had pissed off a lot of people, notably Marcus Cato, who straight up hated Caesar and tried to filibuster all of his laws up to the point that Caesar had him arrested. Cato was planning on having Caesar prosecuted for this once his term as a consul was up. So Caesar took the role of proconsul, which meant he was given an army, and sent to run a province outside of Rome. Caesar was made governor of confident in sex Alpine Gaul and Transalpine Gaul, <laughs> which are modern-day northern Italy and southern France, respectively. Is that what CIS stands for? Yes. Yeah. I never knew that until right <laughs> now when you made that stupid joke about Cisalpine Gaul. Yeah, it is Cisalpine and Transalpine Gaul. Um, but yeah, that is what CIS stands for. <laughs> I didn't make the connection, and I never knew that's what CIS standard for. <laughs> yeah. Every time I heard it, I was like, I'm going to look that up later, but then I would start drinking and forget. So. Yeah, like, oh, because every time they say CIS male, you're like, well, they're they're insulting me. Like, they're attacking me for being confident in my sex. Right? That's what you were thinking? Yeah. Well, I didn't know what it what it actually meant. Oh, because I was thinking, yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm I'm totally confident in it. Yes. Yes. Fuck you. Yeah. Don't don't attack me for being confident. I'm very confident. <laughs> yeah. More confident than you. Definitely straighter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you can't see my phone. Why'd you even ask? Or we're gonna ask. Whatever. What are you doing well, later? Well, I mean, I got pics of men with their fucking nice abs all oiled up because you know, I strive to be that. Yeah. Very yeah. confident straight male, which I am. Which yeah. I am. <laughs> There's another school shooting today. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, you want to talk about that? Not not to change subject or anything, but uh, you've been working out. You look good. No, goddamn it. No, there's a shooting, and we got to fix this country. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, Caesar's term was set to be five years, and it protected him from prosecution as long as he stayed out of Rome. And as a much-needed bonus, it would make Caesar a lot of money, which was good because he'd gone broke as a senator and a consul, because the entire Senate 
Ran on parties and bribes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to bring up old shit, but I got a big-ass truck. <laughs> See so my truck nuts? If, yeah, if you had any question about my masculinity, uh. I just put a period on the sin. You know, nay. An exclamation point. <laughs> okay? Tell me I'm straight. Yeah. Yeah, I'm wearing no. pantyhose under this just because it's comfortable, okay? You wear socks, what's the fucking difference? Nothing. That's right. Big-ass socks. That's what they are. Big-ass straight penis. <laughs> In March of 58 BCE, a Celtic tribe known as the Helveti decided they were going to move from modern-day Switzerland over to the western coast of Europe. To do so, all 360,000 of them were going to have to cross through Transalpine Gaul which threatened all the tribes in the area, which were loyal to Rome. And you know what? Caesar just couldn't let that happen. This fucking migrant caravan that's amassing at our border, we gotta send the National Guard down there on Thanksgiving. Make sure that shit don't happen, you know? And then maybe it turns out to be nothing and just like this whole thing to get other people elected during mid- I don't know. I don't know. Well, they're bringing COVID, you know. They are. Which also is not, it's not that serious of a thing. But they're yeah. bringing it so it's serious in this situation. Well, if you cared about COVID, you'd care about those immigrants from Switzerland bringing COVID. But you don't. So, checkmate. Turned your logic around on you, didn't I? I'm so confused. <laughs> so hard to follow. Not as confused as our buddy Greg Abbott, who was worried that Joe Biden was letting South Africans across the Texas border. What? You didn't see that. Wait, I didn't see what? Uh, the esteemed governor of Texas, once the Omicron COVID variant has hit, and it started, or at least it was first detected in South Africa, uh, the esteemed governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, tweeted that Joe Biden is letting thousands of immigrants from South Africa stream across the Texas border, because, you know, he doesn't know where South Africa is. Please continue the story. <laughs> I don't want to. I want to leave. <laughs> now, Caesar only had one legion of troops, which amounted to about 5,000 soldiers in Transalpine Gaul. He had three more sitting in Cisalpine Gaul, but it would take time to move them up north. So he rushed out to meet the Helvetii leaders. They promised they wouldn't pillage his land if he let them through. And he said, hey, just let me think about it. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Just let me, hey, you guys should give me about three weeks to think about this shit. And then he sent urgent messages to his other three legions to move up and began building defensive positions. And, as he had done in his youth, he raised two more legions without any sort of authority to actually do so. By the time the Helvetii came to get an answer from Caesar, the massive Roman military buildup told them the answer was as simple, Go fuck yourself. Caesar launched a surprise attack and massacred most of the Helvetii army. They fled back east with the Roman army shadowing them and harassing them the whole way. Just asking them, like, hey baby, where are you going? And that was a whistle noise, but I didn't pull it off. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> hey baby, where are you going? <laughs> looking good. You're looking good in those pantyhose Helvetii warriors. And they're like, no, no, I just don't like socks. Oh, it holds my underwear and all my giblets in place. Shut up. Long socks. Yeah. Well, explain the pencil skirt. It's also comfortable, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Look at my truck nuts. 
Eventually, the Helvetii came to a stop, at which point Caesar came up with a plan to run a double pincher on both sides of a hill. It was all going great until one of his men, Publius Considius, gave him bad intel and said the Helvetii actually held the hilltop, which meant that Caesar was walking into a disaster. Well, it turns out the Romans actually held the hill, and Considius was an idiot, but the Helvetii escaped to fight another day. Seems like Considius didn't actually consider it. Because <laughs> his, his name's kind of like consider, you know, like... A little bit, yeah. 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 A little bit. It's <laughs> all I have, Greg. Jeez. You got him. You got him, man. <laughs> Nailed it. Kill myself. Caesar and the Romans fell back to a town named Bibracte. The Helvetii and several Gaulish tribes took this as a sign of weakness. They marched to Bibracte and charged Caesar's troops. The Romans held their ground until the Helvetii were about ten yards away, and then they unleashed hell. The Helvetii were routed and forced to flee the battlefield. Three days later, when Caesar caught up to him, the Helvetii surrendered, gave up 6,000 men who became Roman slaves, and agreed to go back to their homeland in Switzerland. Ugh. So expensive there. Yeah, but they agreed from that point on they would never get involved in some sort of like continental fight. They would just take money from the Nazis. You know, if they if they happen to give them money, you know, <laughs> they just take a lot of Jewish gold. What are the Nazis? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll don't worry about it. In, yeah. We'll find out in uh, roughly 1980 years. You want some uh, cocoa? Some instant cocoa we just came up with? It's pretty good. <laughs> you like our knives? They have everything on them. Look at this. Magnifying glass. Corkscrew. Open your wine. Pretty great. Toothpick. Don't use that. That's kind of gross. But uh, it's there in case you need it. Yeah, that one is gross. Yeah. Why do they... Like, that's a single-use item. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it was made of plastic. It wasn't even yeah. made of metal. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. The Swiss Army. That's why they haven't ever won a war. Fucking idiots. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Thank you. Well, that same summer, which was 58 BCE, some wacky Germans, led by a dude named Ariovistus, decided to test Caesar's mettle by invading from the northeast. Caesar marched his army day and night across Gaul to meet them near modern-day Belfort, France, which is about 16 miles from the Swiss border. Caesar told them, hey, why don't you guys fuck off back to Germany? And they said, Why don't you fuck off back to Italy? Because <laughs> we all speak like this even in these days. See? It's, no, that's historically accurate. Thank you. Please continue. Thank you. Instead, a battle was fought and the Germans were straight up massacred. Ariovistus fled the field with a small contingent and from that point on, he disappeared from the historical record. Just moved to Argentina. You know? Lived his best life. Had some blonde babies. Yeah. Whole bunch of Argentinian twins were born because those were the, you know, the type of experiments he was running at the time. You know, it's, a, it's just a weird thing. But he had a nice life. He had a nice life, you know? So I used to uh, work with a lady. She was tall, very white, very mm -hmm. blue-eyed, and very blonde. Mm -hmm. And she was from Argentina. <laughs> Did you ever ask? And she had a Germanic last name. No, no. I was never comfortable enough to ask, but it's... 
How you doing, Maria Himmler? <laughs> no, it was so awkward. Like when I found out she was from Argentina, like her mm-hmm. family was from Argentina. It was like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm sure I was just like wide eyed when she yeah. told me that, and she probably just thought I was a weirdo. No, or conversely, she knew. She knew. She knew what the fuck I was thinking. It was. It was. The plot of that pupil. She's playing on how she's going to murder you so you can't give her up to the Israelis. I recently read that. Very good. Yeah. Well, the fighting season of 58 was over, and Caesar had earned two pretty big, albeit easy, victories that earned him big time praise back in Rome. More importantly, he had won the loyalty of his legions by taking the offensive when he could, leading from the front, and promoting soldiers from within the ranks instead of only giving the posts to men from wealthy families. Throughout the winter of 58 and into the year 57, Caesar began to hear rumors that the Belgae, who are the tribes of modern-day Belgium, were joining forces and planning to attack Transalpine Gaul from the north. Caesar mustered his army and met them at the Aisne River. Caesar waited patiently for the Belgae to cross the river and then launched a surprise attack and slaughtered them. They fell back into their own territory and disbanded as a coalition. However, one of the tribes, the Nervi, were still willing to fight. They still had the nerve. (laughs) What followed became known as the Battle of the Sambre after a nearby river. The Nervi proved to be adept and organized fighters, probably the best Caesar had seen up to that point in his military career. They ambushed the Roman baggage train and forced the army to come charging into the rescue. At first, the fighting was a complete clusterfuck and the Romans were in serious danger of collapse, but Caesar organized his armies and was able to repel the Nervi. They fought relentlessly, with Caesar later saying that the Nervi continued to fight even when they had to stand on mounds of their own dead. According to Caesar, in the end, of the 60,000 Nervi who were there, only 500 survived. The Belgai threat had been neutralized. And little known fact, Hollywood usually portrays ancient battles as non-stop melees, but for the most part, this isn't exactly true. Most Roman battles were hand-to-hand and brutal, but also exhausting. Soldiers from both sides would fight in short bursts, and in between, they'd fall back as few as ten yards apart, take a breather, get some Gatorade, or, you know, some... Some power gel, a little bump, Mm -hmm. and then resume the fight. It was one of these breaks that allowed Caesar to reorganize his army and win the Battle of the Sambre. Yeah, just like Mick, you know, encouraging Rocky in the corner. This guy doesn't want to beat you, he wants to humiliate you. Fuck, I'm going to go out there and fucking eat lightning and crap thunder on these fucking nervy. But he was only like 10 yards away, so they all heard it. (laughs) And this guy's like... He's encouraging them. Where's our Where's our corner man? <laughs> yeah. There's just a guy putting Vaseline all over him. He's just worried. What? I don't even have any cuts. What are you He's doing? Just smiling and making eye contact as he rubs their boob. Just Vaseline <laughs> everywhere. Like, yeah. Who are you? Why Pouring are you water here? On them. Oh yeah. They're like opening their mouths for the water being squirted out of the bottle, and he's just like. Pouring it all over their hair so they glisten and they rubbing <laughs> Vaseline all over them. <laughs> Meanwhile, Caesar's men are getting a pep talk and, well, you'll see what happens. Yeah, it was, uh, Caesar giving the pep talk and he looks over and 
it's just Ted Lasso putting the believe sign above the nerve just slapping over the walls like, yeah, this is going to solve all our problems, guys. <laughs> they just get fucking slaughtered. <laughs> but he has a good attitude about it. You feel pretty good. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay, it's okay well you lost. Trimmed, well-trimmed mustache. Yeah. Back in Rome, Caesar was once again praised and was awarded 15 days of Thanksgiving. It's just too much fucking turkey. Too much goddamn turkey. It's a lot of turkey. Can we, can we stop for a second and just talk about how if Thanksgiving Giving food is so fucking great. How come we only eat it one time a year? Like, you make a turkey and stuffing in July, you're a weirdo. It's a pain in the ass to make. Yeah, whatever. I'm just saying. I could, I could take a Sunday and make a turkey, but everyone would be like, why the fuck are we having turkey in May? What are you, no. What's wrong with you? If I smoked a turkey, mm-hmm. you would have a boner. <laughs> I probably would. Because it means you've invited me to your house for the first time in... Three years. We've I'd be making podcast. it in a thong. That's probably why you'd have the boner. But either way, you would have a boner. Yeah, and some random Belgium guy would be rubbing you with Vaseline all over your boobs. Like, God oh. damn, his boobs look great right now. I promise. <laughs> well, that 15 days was the longest ever awarded at the time. Politically speaking, things in Rome were kind of going to shit. A dude named Clodius had kicked the famous orator and ex-consul Cicero out of Rome and burned down his house. And long-time listeners might remember Cicero from being a dickhead to Mark Anthony and Cleopatra in episode 88. Cicero! Cicero! <laughs> Cicero! 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 Yeah, he sucks. Pompey backed Cicero, which pissed off Marcus Crassus, and the two began to bicker once more. And that's his uh, fellow triumvirate comrade, if you don't remember. So, once again, Caesar called them to his province, where he had a meeting, and convinced them all to play nice. Just a peacemaker. That's all Caesar is, you know? He's out here murdering the shit out of some Gauls and making peace between his buddies. Hell yeah. As a result, both Crassus and Pompey were both elected consuls, and they passed a motion that extended Caesar's proconsulship another five years. 56 BCE turned out to be a pretty quiet year for Caesar and the Romans in Gaul, and he spent most of it just cleaning up little tribes who interfered with his allies. But things did get a little dicey in the winter, when the Germans got the nerve to advance once more. Fucking Germans. Goddamn Blitzkrieg overextending themselves (laughs) throughout history. Just stay in your goddamn country! Jesus. This time, the Germans decided to bring their whole tribe west across Gaul, and they obviously hadn't learned from the Helvetii that Caesar wasn't cool with any of that shit. You don't cross my border. Build a fucking wall. Stop bringing your COVID. Yeah. Caesar took his army north and met the Germans, and at some point, one side attacked the other after they agreed to a temporary truce. Caesar would say the Germans attacked him, which prompted his next action. But uh, you know what, guys? A lot of the story of Caesar comes from a guy named Caesar writing his own fucking story. <laughs> so uh, who knows? Who knows what actually happened? But it kind of falls in line with the Germans, right? Just uh, just attacking, even though you're supposed to have a truce. And then they push into your country, and it gets really cold, and they have to fall back, and they get wiped out. And But the, and then the Americans swoop in and take all the credit, that kind of thing. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen in this exactly story. Exactly what happens. Fucking George Washington coming across the sea. Well, the following day after this uh, surprise attack, 
Caesar met with the leaders of the Germanic tribes, imprisoned them, then attacked their leaderless armies. It was a complete rout, but the Romans didn't stop by defeating the army. No, they didn't just kill the Germans, but the Ger women and the Ger children too. No. Pizza, pizza. <laughs> Not a good time, Wolf Dick. <laughs> Back in Rome, famed Caesar hater Cato said this was basically a war crime and demanded that Caesar be arrested and handed over to the Germans, but Pompey and Crassus told him to sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. <laughs> Super Cato. Yeah. Maybe if you were Doggo, we'd listen, but <laughs> we know that you're very selfish by nature. Mm-hmm. And you only rub yourself against me to establish dominance, so. And you'll eat me as soon as I die. Yes, yes you will. And you'll start with the face, because it's so soft. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Well, having dealt with the tribes of modern-day Switzerland, Belgium, and Germany, Caesar decided it was high time that someone fucked with Britain. Oh, finally. Yeah, no shit. Throughout most of 55, he planned his amphibious assault on the island. Now, he didn't give his legionnaires any special training on an amphibious landing, and he kind of knew absolute jack shit about Britain. But you know what? Late August, he just go ahead and launch that attack anyway. (laughs) We'll figure it out, boys. And this is the birth of the Navy SEALs. Continue, Chris. Yes. Yep. And... The same Navy SEALs were going to kill Osama bin Laden. Thank you for bringing that up, Greg. 100 Proof History Well, his landing, it didn't go super great. Half of his fleet was stranded by bad weather and rough seas, so when Caesar finally did land near modern-day Warmer, he only had a couple of legions, absolutely no cavalry, and almost no grains or supplies. He struck out to forage, and that's when he encountered the tribes of Britain. Some instantly capitulated and agreed to provide him supplies, but a large contingent launched attacks on his forces as they were out forging for said supplies and grains. And some of them recorded hit music that changed the face of rock and roll. Oasis. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Okay. The monkeys. No, okay. Gary Glitter, final answer. (laughs) No, no, no. I think he's in jail. Yes, for being a pedophile. Well, the Brits came in chariots, which were a little outdated. <laughs> oh, it wasn't uh, Asian polyurethane fuck dolls? <laughs> <laughs> they all look like Margaret Thatcher. Oh, uh, into my head, they say, I love you, senpai. <laughs> I love you, senpai! Because they all sound like (laughs) Mrs. Doubtfire in my head. (laughs) (laughs) And they're very racist. Yes. (laughs) Well, they're British, so... (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, chariots were a little outdated by Caesar's day, and the Britons were scared off easily when Caesar massed 2,000 men to face them. For all intents and purposes... The landing in Britain had been a defeat for Caesar because his foragers had failed to get the grain he needed, but the Britons also saw it as a defeat and immediately sued for peace. Caesar accepted and told them to ship back his slaves to Gaul because he was booking it back to the mainland ASAP. Well, even though it had technically been a failure, the expedition was a huge propaganda win for Caesar back in Rome, 
where he was awarded another 20 days of thanksgiving. So, in the spring of 54, he once more decided to invade Britain. This time things actually went pretty well, and he defeated an army led by a dude named Castlevanius, who would go on to develop a video game series about a vampire hunter. I get the Castlevania joke, Uh huh. but it's Castlevanus. Oh, I, I'm much less interested in this story now. <laughs> I'll just start playing the outro music. <laughs> yeah, let's just end this fucking show. <laughs> Well, even though Caesar was having this success in Britain, the tribes in and around Gaul realized that when the cat's away, the mice can start murdering all the other mice that the cat was protecting. Mm. That doesn't track. That's a bad analogy. Bad metaphor. But uh, they started attacking the other tribes. It doesn't rhyme as well. Yeah, it's not, it's not so good. I'm working on it. I'll workshop it. Next, next time, I'll have something better. I promise. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. going to do better. That's my promise to you listeners. I'm going to try and do better. Same promise I make to my wife, and I've never kept it, but uh, keep it for you guys. Don't leave me. It manipulates you into sticking around a little longer. Yeah, it especially manipulates them when I add in the, uh, if you leave me, I'm going to kill myself. So listener, you know what the stakes are. So you just keep on listening, right? Maybe subscribe to the Patreon. I don't know. I'm just going to say my blood's on your hands. That's all I'm going to say. For only $3 a month, you can save a life. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's not some indigenous child of whatever country. It's a, right. literally a grown-ass man. <laughs> grown-ass. Yeah, yeah. But still, if you can picture my face in that Sarah McLaughlin song, and it makes you donate $3 a month, it was all worth it. Completely worth it. And there are flies all over him, but it's only because he won't throw his used ravioli cans away. <laughs> I'm filthy. She won't let me go downstairs, Greg. What the fuck do you want me to do with him? Huh? <laughs> anyway, Caesar was in Britain. The tribes in Gaul started acting up. So in September of 54, Caesar was forced to return to Gaul once more. Over the next couple of years, Caesar put down several uprisings and rebellions. The largest was in 52, when some dude named Vercingetorix united the tribes opposing Caesar, and he attacked. Sounds like such a Swedish black metal band. Kinda does. Yeah. Caesar chased him to Jergovia and attacked, but Vercingetorix held the high ground. Caesar ordered a retreat, but his troops didn't hear it, and continued on in a disorganized fashion. Vercingetorix's forces charged down the hill and attacked, and for once, Caesar and the Romans were on the losing side of a rout. Caesar retreated and regrouped with the Gaulish forces, giving chase. Eventually, Caesar was once again ready to fight, and he stopped his retreat. But Vercingetorix misread the situation, and once again charged into battle, only to have his ass kicked by Caesar. This time, the Gaulish fled, and Caesar gave chase, eventually trapping them in the city of Elysia. After a long siege and a few failed attempts at escape, Vercingetorix surrendered. <laughs> he was taken to Rome, where he was held as a prisoner, until years later, when he was ceremoniously strangled in a triumph celebrating Caesar's accomplishments. <laughs> yeah. Yay! Caesar did it! Now he's strangled this motherfucker in front of everybody. Yes. Uh, those are weird-ass times, man. 
And so, it was 51 BCE. Caesar's term as proconsul and governor of Gaul was coming to an end. In the nine years he had spent away from the city of Rome, he had defeated every attempt by surrounding armies to assault Roman territory, and he had expanded Gaul from the Rhine in the east to the western coast of modern-day France. He was a goddamn Roman hero. But in his absence, things had gone to shit in Rome, and there was a large contingent of Romans who didn't like Caesar one damn bit. And if you expected these two sides to come to some sort of uh, amicable agreement and settle their differences in some sort of civilized manner, boy, are you going to be surprised by the second half of this story. When it turns out you were right. Yes! (laughs) Where were you? I don't know. I don't know either. Well, you're supposed to know because I don't know. You're supposed to tell them what happens after this. We're going to read the second half of the book right now, (laughs) and we'll be back. Break music, go! All right, we are back. We uh, read the second half of this book. Boof. The ending. Man, I did not see that shit coming. That's really fucking crazy. (laughs) Ooh, you guys are in for a treat. And I can't wait for Greg to tell you all about it, man. It's just going to be fucking crazy. The shit that's going to happen. Can't believe this guy moves to Detroit and opens up a pizza franchise. You know? (laughs) Oh, shit. Sorry. I'm sorry. I've been spoiling stuff all day. I'm, I'm sorry. Unbelievable. Well, if it'll put you guys in a better mood, maybe, to hear the second half of this story, we could uh, all join together and imbibe on the sweet, life-giving waters that me and Greg, especially, like to refer to as the second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. And a three, a two, a one, pop. Mm. I missed you. I just pour it down the sink right after I open it now because I'm rich. So <laughs> it's just a photo op for me. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, Greg, please save your pee because I think there might be some alcohol left in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ready for this, Chris? I think so, but you never really know until... I said, are you ready? Uh, uh, oh, the answer was yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have interrupted you. All right, I'll continue. <laughs> Let's do it. Caesar's plan was pretty simple. Even though he had been winning wars and had been hailed as a hero back in Rome, there were still a lot of dickheads who wanted to prosecute him for what they felt was political fuckery back in 59 BCE, when he was a consul. So now that his term as proconsul was up, Caesar was going to chill outside of Rome with his army, run for consul again in 49 BCE after the 10-year gap between terms was up, and then return as a consul so that guys like Cato couldn't prosecute him. Couldn't, uh, couldn't testify that he heard that knock in the guest room. Like, it's been too long, baby. I'm in charge now. It's like if OJ became president and then had the executive privilege... He didn't have to testify about stuff that happened on January 6th. He wouldn't have to write that book 
if I did it. He could just be like, I did it. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Who cares? And I'm then president. He'd, he'd get a court summons and be like, no. <laughs> what, are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. Fuck no. I do what I want. <laughs> I was making that shit up. Well, in his absence, some serious shit had been going down in Rome. First, in 53 BCE, his fellow triumvirate member, Marcus Crassus, was jealous of all the glory that winning wars had brought both Caesar and Pompey, so he set out with his son to fight the Parthians in the Middle East. Everyone said that it was an unnecessary and stupid war, and in the end, Crassus and his son were both killed in battle. <laughs> oh, with them died the tenuous alliance that was the first triumvirate. It was pretty stupid, just the two of them going to fight an entire army. They should have brought some troops or some shit, you know? Just, come on, boy. We're going to take out the Parthians. <laughs> yeah. But what just, if they had machine guns? Yeah, what if? Yeah, or the A-bomb. You ever think about that? Yes. I'm going to save that for my bestseller. Fuck Greg, fuck this podcast. <laughs> what if they had Nicholas Sparks on their side? Just the power to move you. <laughs> you know? Like, I can't believe he fell in love with that girl, but she was dying of cancer, and then she died, and it was really sad, and, you know, he could never love like that again. Oh, God damn it. And then Crassus just runs them through with a sword. Like, they're like, just bawling their eyes out. And they, <laughs> I got you. You fell for it, you stupid, sentimental bitch. But then his serrated sword gets caught in one of their stockings, and the plan all goes to their <laughs> pantyhose, excuse me. Yes. And the plan just goes to absolute shit. <laughs> oh, fuck, I didn't plan on this. <laughs> yeah. This is bullshit. Thought I had him. Thought I had him with uh, the fault between our stars or whatever the fuck that book's called that I didn't read and didn't cry about. And- yeah. <laughs> The uh, 2014 book. Uh, <laughs> not that I've read it. I've the, read it. Soon to be a major motion picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, meanwhile, the bribery in elections had gotten so bad that the Senate made Pompey the only consul, when traditionally there were always two. He cleaned up the bribery and continued to hold elections, but he was basically running Rome. What followed was an epic dick-measuring contest that would cost the lives of thousands and thousands in the long run. 100-proof history. <laughs> See, the, the Caesar haters in the Senate knew that Caesar didn't want to give up his command because he knew they'd try and prosecute him before he could run for consul again. Pompey didn't want people to think Caesar was a better old general than he was and feared that Caesar would use his army to seize power, just like Pompey's old mentor— Sulla had done a few decades earlier. What's more, he was worried that people would praise Caesar more than they praised him. And let me tell you, his bitch to your ego, <laughs> it just couldn't handle that. That was a bridge too far. Right. And it, so many people are going to die because of this. A bridge too far. Also, upcoming Nicholas Sparks novel. <laughs> I thought it was already a novel. <laughs> Is it? It's a movie, at least. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do. I was just making a fucking joke, Chris. Guy quit the podcast. Why do you embarrass me so often? <laughs> you need to know your Nicholas Sparks bibliography before you come to play here, okay? I'm you know pretty that? sure that was not Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> I feel like that was before him. You know, a little bit. Just a little bit. But you know what? He could have written it better. 
He would have made you feel something, you know? That's true. And that's a very valid point. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Really, all Caesar wanted was to keep his army, so he'd have a little power while he waited to run for consul. But Cato got a law passed that said Caesar had to be in Rome to be a candidate, which meant he'd have to give up his command. Without his army, he figured Cato and his buddies would claim his candidacy for consul was invalid, arrest him, and deny him his triumph celebration for his victories in Gaul, and Caesar would be powerless to stop them. So, Caesar proposed that Pompey give up his army too. That way, no one had any armies, and an election without the threat of violence could be held. Pompey said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that, uh, but you do it first. (laughs) Caesar was all like, no, no, motherfucker, you do it first. Then, a Caesar-supporting senator said, Guys, guys, let's just do it at the same time, cool? Yeah, it's like in all of my favorite Nicholas Sparks novels where it's like, you you got the stuff? You got the money? Well, yeah, but I want to see the stuff first. Well, okay, same time, same same time! And he reaches out and hands him a a book of poems, and the guy hands him, Mm -hmm. you know, some money, and then wins the girl, but she dies. Tragically, even though we kind of knew she was going to do that from the beginning. But then the book that he gave him, he opens it up, Mm -hmm. and it was actually hollowed out. What does it hold inside? A piece of boneless pizza. Pizza, pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Two sponsors in one. Nailed it. One of them will give us money eventually. Yeah. Nicholas Sparks will give us money to stop. Nicholas Sparks or Caesar Jr., one of them. Well, the majority of the Senate wanted to avoid civil war, and so they agreed on them giving up their armies at the same time. But the leaders of the Senate, including Cato, said, fuck that. We're not even going to have a real vote on it. Caesar refused to give up his command, so the Senate voted him as an enemy of Rome. Caesar's boys and tribunes in the Senate, Quintus Cassius Longinius and future Cleopatra Eskimo brother Mark Antony, were able to veto the bill. In doing so, they too had made lots of powerful enemies and had to disguise themselves as slaves to flee the city and join up with Caesar. All of this took place over the span of almost two years. It seemed like neither side actually wanted a civil war, but also neither side wanted to back down and appear weak. So in early 49, Caesar moved with one of his ten legions across the Alps toward northern Italy. Then on the 10th of January, he reached the Rubicon River, which divided Gaul and Italy. He then ordered his legion across the river, kicking off the actual civil war. Mm. Ken Burns just jizzed his pants. (laughs) Legend has it, it was here that he said, let the die be cast. And he rolled it, he's like, nat 20! Fuck yeah, we got this shit! Can't fucking stop me, DM! It's a Dungeons and Dragons joke for all of our... Mm-hmm. D&D listeners. Mm-hmm. Makes up a large portion of our audience, Greg. Well, two of you. <laughs> yes, large portion, yeah. like I said. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like 40%. <laughs> now, some of you might know how the Civil War would work out for Caesar, which might keep you from realizing how big of a gamble this move actually was. Caesar had ten legions, but only one entered Italy with him. When both sides of the war were at full strength, Pompey's army would greatly outnumber Caesar's, as would his resources. 
But Caesar knew that his men were all battle-hardened veterans and were fiercely loyal. Meanwhile, most of Pompey's legions were off in Spain, and the one he had with him wasn't even fully trained yet. So Caesar pressed his advantage and moved rapidly towards Rome. And this just proves, for all the people that have been debating this lately, and there, there have been several, Julius Caesar was a better general than Robert E. Lee. I'm saying it. I'm putting it out there, man. I feel brave right now. Do I need to back that up with historical context? You're looking at me like I need to actually back that up? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, good, good. This extremely famous general that everybody in the world knows mm -hmm. over 2,000 years later is better than a general from like 150 years ago. Yeah. In American Civil War. Who, maybe, he studies Caesar and he realizes, I'm outnumbered, I got less resources, maybe I attack faster, just let's go straight to Washington. But no, pussyfoot's around, gets beat, gets smashed by our boy Grant, just saying. I don't know if anybody would, would argue the counterpoint to that. Well, that that's why I say things like that, to make myself feel smart. You know? Oh, like gotcha. when I'm like, you know that Hitler, he didn't have a lot of great ideas. Well, it's, it's my Tinder profile, actually. Did he have some? Well, he liked dogs. So. And he so he had some Smoking ideas? was gross, yes. Hitler had some great ideas. I'm just oh saying. God. <laughs> Shut up, Wolf Dick. Don't you fucking write that down. <laughs> well, anti-Semitism aside. What? No, I didn't say that. No. Oh, fine. Continue. I don't want to bog us down in minutia. <laughs> in the early going, most towns surrendered to Caesar. It wasn't until he reached Corfinium that he first faced real opposition in the form of a Pompeian general named Ahenobarbus. The Pompeians fought bravely here, but were soon put under a siege by Caesar. Pompey told Ahenobarbus to get the fuck out of there, but Ahenobarbus said, Nah, dog, send me some backup. Pompey refused, and thus, Ahenobarbus was forced to surrender with his legion. In response, Caesar simply spoke before all the surrendering men, telling them why he was fighting and how he had been wronged, and then he set them all free. Yes, Greg, and little known fact, before he surrendered, Ahenobarbus was absolutely certain that Caesar was going to kill him, and he decided he would rather kill himself by drinking poison. He ordered it from his doctor and drank it, but boy was his face red when he not only found out that Caesar was going to let him off scot-free, but also his doctor had given him a fake poison. It was a lucky day, man. Just, you know, I thought this was going to be a really shitty day. thought my boss finally figured out I was jerking off at work for six hours of the eight that I'm supposed to be there. And then uh, calls me in and just says, hey, man, uh, you're doing a really good job. Here's a Applebee's coupon. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Awesome. <laughs> yes. In somewhat of a panic, Pompey booked it across the sea to Greece where he hoped to raise and train more armies. Joining him was a big chunk of the Senate, including Cato, and a guy named Marcus Brutus, who was Cato's nephew, but also the child of longtime Caesar's smash buddy, Servilia. Caesar chased them to the coast, but then shrugged and turned his attention on the Pompeian forces in Spain saying first he'd defeat an army without a general, then he'd defeat a general without an army. Boss bitch. 
Then he'd sign up for the general insurance. He just had a general thing going. Like, oh, now general, <laughs> save some time. <laughs> yeah. God, is that a nationwide thing? It seems I hope so, so local when you see the <laughs> no, commercial. I think it's Shaq's there. It can't be local. Shaq's involved. You think Shaq's like, yeah, just let me do this Texas. No, Shaq. Shaq's that doesn't worldwide. convince me. <laughs> that does not convince me. <laughs> Caesar's legions marched to Spain where, just as he had expected, the men leading the legions there for Pompey were incredibly inept and put up almost no fight at all. Caesar basically encircled them with his forces and waited for him to surrender, which of course they did. So he left his bro Cassius in charge and, after almost a full decade away from the city, Caesar returned to Rome where he was promptly made dictator. Oh, I was a dictator once. I know exactly how to dictate. <laughs> uh. I always just imagine uh, carving out a potato in the shape of a penis and then frying it and <laughs> eating it like a french fry tater tot combo. You know, there's nothing... Dictator. Yeah, there's nothing inherently sexual about carving a potato into a penis, deep frying it, and eating it like a french fry, but I think, it still, ma- first. I think it still makes people uneasy. <laughs> Dip it into some ranch. You just, like, lick the ranch off the tip, like, squirt the ranch bottle on your chest a little bit. Pound the uh, the fried dictator on your cheek. <laughs> yeah. Slap it on there. You're in a restaurant. <laughs> this is a People are very, staring at you. It's a very fancy restaurant. You had to specifically request this. Major D is just like, Ooh. I don't think dictator's just on the menu. <laughs> no, no, no. It's very much an off-menu item. <laughs> so it's not like an Applebee's. It's a right. step up, but it's not a fancy restaurant. Right. Somewhere to where you can order off-menu. Yeah, they don't get upset. There's not kids drawing with crayons on the tablecloth. We'll put it that way. Right. Children are not allowed in the establishment that allows you to order dictator's. They serve, they serve wine, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, you have a man sitting there <laughs> slapping the dictator on his... Yeah, you, you ask the waiter, will you, will you just hit me in the face with this a little bit? Call me dirty? Say, say I'm a slut? Do you do that? <laughs> the married gentleman across the table from you is just absolutely disgusted. <laughs> You're just so uncouth. <laughs> and then the other married gentleman... From the table across from me, he's just making eye contact the whole time. And he's like, he gets up to go to the bathroom, he's like, nodding his head. Like, <clears throat> well, no, the Bonk. married gentleman across the table from you is the date that you're on. <laughs> oh, okay. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> I got you. It's across the same table. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. I'm yeah. sorry. I missed that. I, I apologize. Maybe it's just, you know, three married dudes going and yeah. hanging out in the bathroom. I don't know. Just the, the new form of the triumphant, you know? Just yeah. the solving Sol- all Rome's problems. Sharing a dictator. <laughs> we have been distracted too long by this word. Continue the fucking story, Greg. I have no idea where I am. I don't either. I just want a potato for some reason. I'm just kidding. I know where I am. Well, Caesar's main role as dictator was just to oversee the consul election, which he also won, prompting him to immediately give up the role of dictator and rush off towards Greece to fuck up Pompey's shit. He found Pompey outside the harbor town of Dyrrachium and attempted to surround the Pompeian forces with his own lines. Unfortunately for Caesar, he didn't have enough troops to completely surround Pompey, 
and Pompey knew this. He attacked Caesar's far left flank and then fell back. When Caesar launched a counterattack on the same flank, his army got its teeth kicked in and they lost a thousand soldiers. Had Pompey pressed the issue right then and there, he might have won the war. Instead, he settled for handing Caesar his first defeat of the Civil War. Yeah, and so there are big differences between Pompey and Caesar. Mostly, and it feels like there's a big difference between good generals and great generals that I've I've noticed in the couple years we've been doing this. It seems like the great generals always know when to press the issue. They always know when to attack. You know, they can pull back if they have to. Most of them are very aggressive, but they pull back when they have to, and but they know when to counter. Maybe it's a little bit of luck, too, but it does seem like the great generals like Caesar and Napoleon and Grant and Washington, they just knew when was the right time to attack. And Caesar, this is like one of the few times Caesar fucked that up. Sure, but counterpoint, this shows what a shitty general Pompey may have been. Yeah. Because had he counterattacked right here. Yeah. We may be talking about Pompey right now instead of Caesar. Yeah. There you go. Well, the Pompeians were stoked, but because they were led by a bunch of powerful asshole senators, they also were divided on what to do next. Pompey himself wanted to regroup and reorganize, but fell victim to peer pressure when the rest of his buddies wanted to attack. He chased Caesar to Pharsalus, where, for some reason... He decided to attack on a narrow plain where the Pompeian cavalry would have little room to maneuver. When the attack was launched, Caesar's men quickly repelled the Pompeian horsemen and turned on the left flank, which wrecked the shit out of the Pompeian army. Pompey fled the battlefield before it was even over. He jumped on a ship to Egypt where he hoped to enlist the help of the young kid, Ptolemy XII. Instead, hoping to curry favor with Caesar, Ptolemy had Pompey murdered and beheaded as soon as he hopped off of the boat. Caesar and his legions gave chase, and he was actually a little bummed out when he found out that Pompey was dead. He soon met Cleopatra and fell in love. Or maybe just saw a new political ally? We'll never know. But either way, they were soon smashing, and through a series of events you can only hear in episode 88 of this podcast, and... Many other places. No! <clears throat> shut up! Cleopatra was put into power. There is one thing I'd like to address here about that story. I don't think we talked very much about it in the Cleopatra episode. It's, you know, they, they settle everything, and then they go on this long tour of the Nile, and Caesar is, like, kind of delaying his return to Rome, and everybody's like, you need to get back here and fight. And this source, our main source for this episode, actually points out, like, this dude is, like, 52 years old he just met a hot young piece you know he's been fighting for 10 years now he's got a little break he can go on a cruise with her like a little bit of vacation basically it's like a midlife crisis like if there was corvettes back then this dude would be like pulling up to cleopatra hey baby check out my car you know <laughs> yeah yeah yep. so he he did delay his return to rome a little bit but uh you know who could blame him hot piece of ace I, I would have a midlife crisis if we had more Patreon listeners, but uh, can't afford it. So uh, I'm in my 30s and I'm having a midlife crisis. <laughs> well, you're going to die very young. We can tell Yeah, I'm, I'm probably honestly past <laughs> the middle of my life, let's be honest. I drink a lot. <laughs> yes. It's good for the show, though, so keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
the Civil War, it, it wasn't quite over yet. Caesar made Mark Antony his master of horse, which was basically second in command, and sent him back to Rome to run the place. It didn't go super awesome because Antony drank all the damn time and fucked everything that moved, but it was good enough in a pinch. Meanwhile, Cato and a few other remaining Pompeians joined forces and headed for the province of Africa. They bless the rains down in Africa. Oh. Yeah. That's what that song's about. Yeah, it's about Cato and the remaining Pompeians after the death of Pompey. No, Nobody knows that. But uh, hmm. now you guys do. Not even the band. <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> well, Caesar... He once again gave chase. His amphibious landing was a little precarious, and he was greatly outnumbered, but he led his men in small skirmishes until his entire force could be landed. He met the Pompeians in the Battle of Thapsus, where once again the Pompeians chose to fight him on a very narrow battlefield. And this time, they brought elephants. Yeah! Yeah. Yeah! Which, you know, would have been helpful if it was... A hundred years earlier, and no one knew how to fight elephants, and they were led by a competent leader like Hannibal. Yeah. I don't but, know what episode uh, that was, but we talked about him. Episode. Uh, <laughs> Find it on your own. God damn it. We have to do everything for you people. <laughs> well, instead of that, the Pompeians lost 10,000 men. Caesar lost 50. That. Oh, wait, no. There's a period there. Just 50. <laughs> Just 50. 50 total men. Well, that's sad. He probably knew all those 50 guys, you know? It's kind of hit him a little harder if he lost 10,000. It's like Stalin said. Imagine I'm the losing... Wallace. It's <laughs> a linen joke from Big Lebowski. You're an idiot. Imagine losing 50 of your best friends. Right. It'd be three people and then 47 strangers. That would <laughs> crush you. It would. Cato refused to surrender to Caesar, so he asked for his sword. His sons and attendants hid it from him, but he found it and stabbed himself in the stomach. Imagine it like, <laughs> give me my gun at Thanksgiving and everybody just fucking hides it and you just start rifling through shit when they're catching up and, you know, going around the table saying what they're thankful for. Yeah, he just shoots himself in the gut. And then you kill yourself. Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. No, shoot yourself in the gut. Still savable. Doctors can help you. All the turkey just gets blown all over the bathroom <laughs> tile. Because you already ate Thanksgiving turkey. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, the, uh, you're the dad in a Christmas story that was picking on the, the Christmas oh, turkey. You yeah, know? the leftovers after the dog before, ate it. Yeah. Well, no, or before, before the dog oh, yeah. God, Chris. I'm sorry. Everything. You've ruined my awful, awful joke. <laughs> well, a doctor was called and was able to stitch Cato's wound. But as soon as the doctor turned his back, Cato ripped open the wound and pulled out his own entrails. <laughs> Dude. I, fucking metal moment. I was about to say, yes. I don't, I don't like Cato, but goddamn metal moment. Yeah, dude. Holy shit. That's death metal lyrics right there. <laughs> that shit that you made me watch and gave me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> well, and while there was still some minor fighting left to do, that was pretty much the end of the Civil War. 
In the spring of 46, Caesar returned to Rome where he was once again made dictator, and they threw a huge fucking party celebrating all he had accomplished since he had left in 59 BCE. As a dictator, he was benevolent. He forgave all of his past enemies. He expanded the Roman Empire into the other provinces and gave the land to his war veterans. You know, kind of at the back of all the farmers. No big deal. <laughs> Get the fuck off the land. It belongs to my vets. They were Gaulish farmers. They were basically less than human. Let's just face it. Well, in those days, sure. They were yeah. definitely considered that. If anybody has a problem with that, all of our Gaulish listeners can write me an email. Fucking assholes. Jesus. I'm just saying, Gauls are less than human. We're going to get a strongly worded papyrus note. <laughs> From the last Gaul. Yeah. But joke will be on us. It'll it'll contain anthrax. <laughs> I thought this threat went away 20 years ago. Fuck. <laughs> and, then, and then we die, because you're... An asshole. A racist, racist asshole against Gauls. <laughs> Well, like I said, Caesar, unlike Chris, forgave all of his past enemies. If you're willing to move past the Japanese, that's that's on you, but uh, I will never let that go. It's a day that will live in infamy. Uh, Caesar built a great library, and maybe most importantly, he fixed the fucked up Roman calendar that ranged from 355 to 455 days a year, depending on who you asked. Caesar made it a nice... Mm, Clean. 365 days with an extra day every four years. <clears throat> Although February only had like 23 days, which, you know, made it different from the Gregorian calendar we use today, which is uh, my official calendar. Much calendar superior. that I support. A superior calendar, yes. Definitely superior. In response, the month of his birth was renamed to July. That's how they pronounced it back then. July. July. <laughs> Get some. <laughs> Although he was a dictator, he continued to hold elections. Yeah. Saddam Hussein did the same thing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, him holding elections, that, that also allowed him to be voted in as consul over and over again. Also... The power of the Senate was completely neutered, and whatever laws Caesar and his buddies came up with were enacted without a real vote. It didn't matter that so far most of his laws had been pretty great. The senators didn't like that he had sole power and was basically a king. It also didn't help that people kept calling him a living god and heaped praise all over him. Is that a bad thing? Because, uh, I've been doing that to you for like two years. Per your requests. That, should we not be doing that? It's not a bad thing. Okay, good. Necessarily. Good. I'm kind of <laughs> benevolent. Caesar, there was a conflict of interest. There's no conflict. You keep fucking doing it. You, you are a generous god. Yes. Okay? Yes. That's correct. <laughs> well, several of the senators, including Marcus Brutus, began publicly denouncing Caesar and praising the now-dead Cato as the true hero of the Republic. Caesar respected their views and published his own side, but by 44 BCE, at least 60 of the senators had decided, enough was enough. We gotta drain the swamp. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Deep state. <laughs> That's right. QAnon, Pizza Planet. 
Yeah. Uh, JFK, JFK Jr., bitch. <laughs> Caesar had decided he was going to give up the dictatorship and return to war, so they had to act fast. On March 15th, 44 BCE, just days before Caesar was set to leave Rome, the senators ambushed him. Using knives they hid in their pin-15 cases, they stabbed Caesar over and over until he died at the feet of a statue of Pompey. Some say his last words were, You too, child? Or, E too, Brute? He didn't speak English. He wasn't you too, child. It's fucking stupid. Fucking idiot historians. No, what a, the second one, that's exactly... E too, Brute. Yeah, he was Marlon Brando. I'll give, give you an offer that you can't refuse. <laughs> I'm glad you immediately picked up. <laughs> I was not trying to do it. Um, obviously, E too, Brute, referring to Brutus... But we know that his real last words were, in fact, pizza, pizza. <laughs> Got a little Caesars. Get a little Caesars hot and ready classic for just five bucks, or try our extra most bestest pizza with the most cheese and the most pepperoni for just six bucks. And while we don't have bathrooms for you to jack off in while you put a loaded gun in your mouth, what better <laughs> place to do that than the comfort of your own home? Kids love little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. In the end, Caesar was a good politician and a great general, whose military prowess was unmatched in his time, and would be studied by future military minds for the following 2,000 years. He had built an empire that would last another 500 years, and his death set the stage for yet another civil war that would lead to centuries of prosperity under the emperors. Still, for all of that, he was considered by his fellow Romans to be power-hungry, and was stabbed to death by a bunch of whiny politicians. So we have to ask, was any of it worth it? End of story. Woo! We did it. We told the story of Julius Caesar. Did it in two episodes. You guys are like, no, this is going to take like years. There's, there's just so much on Caesar. We're like, no, 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 no. Watch this shit. Watch what we do. This is how we do it. Dictator. <laughs> Dictator. We stopped down for like 20 minutes on that shit. You shave the potato <laughs> in a tiny penis and then you fry it. And Boom. And you make the waiter hit you in the face with it. Yes. History <laughs> podcast. We did really get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some facts. Maybe like... I don't know, like four facts about Caesar we didn't cover, but I think we can, we can make up for that right here in what we like to call the fast facts. Fast fact number one. As we told you, Cato wanted Caesar arrested and given to the Germans following his massacre of the German tribe that dared to cross into Gaul. Turns out there was actually some precedent for this. A guy named Mancinus had surrendered in battle and was arrested by the Senate and given to his Celtic enemies for doing so. The Celts didn't want his ass either, and ignored him, until he walked back to Rome, where he was hailed as a hero, for being willing to sacrifice himself for the honor of Rome. Fast Fact Number 2 Twice during the Civil War, Caesar had to quell mutinies in his own army. Both times he threatened to use decimation, the Roman tradition of arbitrarily killing one soldier out of every ten, but in the end, all he had to do was tell the legions that were mutinying that he was going to leave them and not let them fight. 
Then they basically begged to join him and offered to decimate themselves. He graciously allowed them to rejoin his army without killing any of his own. Fast fact number three. Throughout the war, the battle tactics of Pompeian leaders and Caesar were different and favored Caesar's aggressive approach. However, Caesar always granted clemency to his enemies, whereas the Pompeians made it clear they would kill any captured men. This resulted in Caesar having to fight several of the Pompeian leaders on multiple occasions, although if he captured them twice, then he'd kill them. He also didn't always grant clemency. Remember that first city after everybody was capitulating and like giving him his way? The first city that tried to hold out? He was like, alright, surround and fucking burn it, and he let all his soldiers rape all the fucking women and kill all the kids? Fuck, you're right. God damn it. It's okay. Quit the podcast. I'm the worst outline writer. <laughs> you are the worst. Fast fact number four. Following his assassination, the Senate voted to give Caesar a public funeral in which the senators would control the fire. The public loved Caesar and would have none of that shit. They tossed the Senate seats, benches, sticks, and even their own clothing onto the funeral pyre, causing the fire to burn out of control and cause serious damage to the forum and surrounding buildings. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed our two-parter on Julius Caesar. We'll be back in a couple of weeks before we take our little Christmas break, like we usually do. Holiday break, Chris. I'm sorry, yes. No, fuck you. I'm winning this war. The war on Christmas. You fucking... Piece of shit. Why do you? And I'm hate- taking off because uh, this is a war on Christmas, and I'm on the uh, <laughs> the offensive. I'm a reservist, if you will. <laughs> I just know on December 25th you're gonna bust through my door wearing all like Vietnam era camo with your face paint, and you're just gonna go over there and fucking blast my tree with your AK-47, mm-hmm. and then run out the door. So I'll be prepared. I'll be ready. Okay. In the meantime, fellas. And ladies, please check out HunterProofHistory.com. There you'll find links to the current episodes, a little bit of info on us, guys. And mostly, most importantly, please, please, God, please, check out the Patreon, which is linked on HunterProofHistory.com for just $3 a month. Get access to early episodes. You get the old stuff. I think there's like a hundred things that these regular people don't get to listen to that you can listen to. Go back and listen to all of our cool shit that uh, we reference on the regular. And also, be sure, you know, we're about to go on break. Check us out on YouTube. YouTube.com slash 100ProofHistory. You can find our videos that we like to do. News and stuff. Thank God you said YouTube.com. They wouldn't know, man. You know what? I'm doing my best here. You just let me do this. We just You're like, hey, take us out. And then you're like, oh, no, you're doing it right. You fucking idiot. Yeah. A boss tells you, hey, flip the burgers this way. And you mm-hmm. just do it with your hand. Is he not <laughs> supposed to step in and be like, no, use the fucking spatula. What are you doing? He is, but he's supposed to do it in private so the people don't see me doing it wrong. So he's just supposed to let you flip the burger with your hand in front of the customer, and then when your shift's over, take you back. Hey! Unacceptable! I know you're trying your best here, buddy. You're doing really good work, but... At least stop licking the hand first. (laughs) 
you're not turning pages here, all right? They're greasy the, burgers. There are a few pubes stuck to your fingers before you flip that thing. God. <laughs> no, no, it, it's okay, sir. They're my dad's. <laughs> anyway, you can also find us on social media at 100ProofHistory, where we'll post some memes, post updates to our stories, things like pictures, maps, stuff like that. You might not be able to just, like, picture in your mind's eye or telling you these stories on the uh, podcast, as it were. But that is all I have. That is all the plugging I will do. And hopefully Greg will commend me or correct me after we're done recording. But for the meantime, I am your sexy host, Christopher. For Wolf Dick, our esteemed producer, Dan, Dan, the intro man, we thank you for listening. Main host, Gregory. What else? I also have your dad's pubes. Goodbye. (laughs) 